We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome back in. You were listening to the July 27, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of this podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions and brought to you by the folks at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is the lead NFL writer and analyst over at Fantasy Pros and the co-host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Welcome to the show, Mike Taglier. You can find him on the tweets, at Mike Taglier NFL. That's T-A-G-L-I-E. R-E, yeah, got that right. It's great to have you back on the Mailbag Show. Mike, man, what is good? Oh, man, there's so much that's good. You know, it's it's July. We're at the end of July, almost beginning of August now. And um, I'm excited because, like, what happened today, like, you know, we've been going through the off season, and it's like, you know, I'm doing this full time, but it's like going through the off season. we talk about the same thing over and over and over. And now that we have training cu- camp starting up, I feels like it, it's finally the start of the new season. You know, we've had this off season, and I know people say that there is no off season, but I had this feeling today walking down to my office that, I was excited and I can't wait to get into football again. Like, like, like in terms of watching these games, watching training camps, the preseason starting. But I know if you catch me in like November, you're going to be like, how you doing, Mike? I'm going to say, I need a vacation, like, like a week or two <laughs> vacation just to get away. Like, I feel like fantasy writers, like if you're doing it full time and I know it, I'm complaining about a job that I love, but I feel like we need a bye week in season so that we can actually get everything together. Cause I feel like I can never fully compile all the stats that I have and that I've accumulated. And, and put them into everything that I want them to be in season because I just don't have there's just not enough gap in between the games. Yeah, absolutely, not enough gap. But I mean, you're you're right. We've hit that tipping point, right, where it's like you can realize, you can see it, you can smell it. It is right there in the foresight. I mean, we've got salaries now for for daily DFS, right? Like, I mean, what what else could you ask for? So we're going to be bringing that in um, starting now going forward here, whether it's uh, off-season questions for the upcoming season, Dynasty Trades, player and team outlooks as we get closer to the season, you name it. But before we do dive right in, Mike, you also recently wrote a few words about one Sammy Watkins and why he's the wide receiver to own in KC. Tyreek Hill is going off the board in the T.Y. Hilton, Adam Thielen range, uh, the Mike Evans tier. So tell us why you're looking at someone like Sammy instead. 
So, yeah, there's a lot of people out there telling me that, you know, Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL and that he's ultra efficient and that he's going to continue doing that. And my argument against that is that, it, I mean, if you believe he's the most efficient wide receiver in NFL history, I guess I can't really argue with you because there's no place for me to win that argument. However, when you tell me that, you know, we're going to add Sammy Watkins to an offense to uh, one that Tyreek Hill last year had seen 105 targets. OK, Demarcus Robinson was the wide receiver starting opposite Tyreek Hill, and he got 105 targets. You cannot tell me that you're going to add Sammy Watkins to the equation, keep Travis Kelsey there, have Kareem Hunt in year two, you know, get Spencer Ware back in the office, offense, sign Damian Williams, and, oh, oh, by the way, we're going to give Tyreek Hill even more targets. We're going to give him 120 targets now. It's, it's just a bad argument because what we're doing in fantasy football is we're playing to the, the most, uh, uh, like, the most likely scenarios, right? And with Tyreek Hill, the most likely scenario is that he's stuck in that 95 to 105 target range with Sammy Watkins being added because there should be some more volume to go around considering the defense has taken a big step back. Uh, but cons- expecting Patrick Mahomes to keep up the level of efficiency that Alex Smith had last year, it's just bad to do. So it's like when you look at this offense as a whole, when they added Watkins, I said it just took some upside away from every player. Like it's going to take a little bit of upside away from Travis Kelsey, you know, Kareem Hunt. The bottom line here is that someone in this offense is going to disappoint because there was no team in the NFL last year that produced a top 10 quarterback, a, a two top 30 wide receivers, a top 10 running back, and a top two tight end, or even a top eight for that matter. The closest were the Vikings, but they, they missed out on two of those things. So someone in this offense is going to disappoint. And when you're talking about Tyreek Hill, who was going off the board as like the number nine wide receiver, I mean, I've seen him dipping lately where if, if you get him as like the wide receiver 15, I don't have an issue with that. Like, you, okay, you have some room for equity, but my point on Ty- Tyreek Hill drafting him as like the wide receiver 9, wide receiver 10 in front of someone like Doug Baldwin makes no sense because you're betting on that efficiency to stand tall. You're expecting on a little bit more targets for him. And with the equations, it just doesn't add up. Whereas Sammy Watkins, you're investing a, a wide receiver 28 pick in him. So if he busts, you you spend a lot less to acquire him, and it's not going to ruin your fantasy season. Whereas if Tyreek Hill doesn't finish, you know, as a top twenty wide receiver, you set yourself up pretty bad by taking him in the second or third round. Yeah, we've had a lot of run good with Tyreek Hill, and a lot of people, quite frankly, because when you take a look at the hashtag math, I mean, you know, he he was supposed to have regressed last season, so mm-hmm. you know. Third time's a charm, right? So, yeah, we would expect him to regress this season a little bit. Sammy's presence there. And, uh, you know, when you have a little bit of ambiguity in the offense, go ahead and simply take the the cheaper uh, asset there as well. Now, Mike, you also recently released your top 250 rankings over at Fantasy Pros. And, oh, by the way, you also happen to work for a site to which fellow analysts and uh, degenerates submit rankings for the year. So give us a couple names in which you find yourself higher than the consensus and lower than the consensus as well. Uh, so the, a few of the names that I am definitely higher on uh, are Devontae Parker. He's he's someone that I'm finding myself drafting all too much. Uh, his ADP has has been hovering around the wide receiver 40 mark, and I believe that's his absolute floor. It, absolute floor. Uh, if you go through into his career and talk about, you know, his people consider him a bust, and I, I think that's unfair. And I wrote a player profile on him. And I dove into him talking about why he was up and down. Like, if you look at his, in the games where he has seen five or more targets, he's producing like a wide receiver too. And well, well, Mike, why is that going to change in 2018? Well, Jarvis Landry and his 161 targets from last year are gone. And unless you think Danny Amendola, who has never produced an 800-yard season, Albert Wilson, who is now apparently the number four wide receiver in Miami, if you guys think these guys are going to get 161 targets, you're sadly mistaken. So, Parker last year, even though he missed a couple weeks of the high ankle sprain, even though he uh, he tried coming back from that and you kind of seen it in his performances, he started to produce more and more. He was the number, I think it was the number eight wide receiver when he got hurt in week five against the Titans. And then things just were a little up and down. But now heading into this year, there's going to be so much targets. Like I think he has a 120 target floor provided he plays all 16 games. And that's almost like a lock to finish as a top 24 wide receiver. But again, Wide receiver 40, like, I'm, 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 I'm convinced that that's his absolute floor. And I think he can miss three games and still finish there. Uh, he's one that I own on so many teams. Uh, the other player is the running back position. That's Sony Michelle. Uh, Sony Michelle is a player who, you know, I put a lot into draft stock for running backs because where you're drafted as a running back, it's giving you opportunity essentially because the team basically said, like teams go young at running back. There's teams that like if they draft a running back in the first round, they're going to use him, which is why the Chris Tar- Carson talk doesn't make all that much sense to me. Because if they were planning on going Chris Carson, if they liked him that much, they wouldn't have drafted Rashad Penny in the first round. But Michelle, a first round pick, 
going to a team that has been top six scoring NFL offense going back to 2009, and 75% of top six running backs come from top six scoring offenses. So it, it, it's a it's a crazy high number. So when you're looking for someone who could actually finish there as a top six running back, you're looking for a high scoring offense ideally because 75% of the time that's what they're coming from. We know that the Patriots have that. Sony Michelle is someone that I compared to LaShawn McCoy coming out of college. He's a three down back. The Patriots never spend equity at the running back position. They basically are telling you we're moving towards running the ball a little bit more. So we're going to invest in Isaiah Wynn, which was his, uh, his actually his tackle at Georgia. And we're going to invest in Sony Michelle with our two first round picks. So it kind of tells you a lot. And the Patriots schedule this year. Oh man, it's beautiful for a running back. Yeah, Devontae Parker is somebody that I find myself drafting all the time as well. Majority of the folks out there seem to like the discount on Kenny Stills, and I get it. But I just think the the style of targets that are up for grabs are going to shift in Devontae Parker's favor. To your point about the target distribution, there's just no way Devontae Parker doesn't see an increase in that target distribution there. And then Sony Michelle, I actually don't have enough of, at least in best ball drafts to date. So that's something I'm working on increasing my exposure to. I was all about Rex Burkhead and still do like the the Rex Burkhead. Mm -hmm. The the problem, though, is he got the Silva bump, right? Like, we know Silva and has always liked Rex, but immediately once, you know, Silva said it was okay to take Rex in in the fifth or sixth round, like, especially on the draft app, right? Like, people started doing it. And at that point, there's not enough disparity between the, the draft ADP, between Sony and Rex to say, you know, to, to not at least even evenly distribute the shares there. And to your point about him being a first-round running back, I mean, they were essentially drafting Deion Lewis is what they were doing, right? Yes. Yes, and I think – and Sony Michelle is – I hate to, I hate to say this, Deion Lewis supporters, but Sony Michelle is – he has potential to be a better running back. And the thing is, is he's more built to handle a bigger workload than Deion Lewis ever was. And I think that's why you saw Deion Lewis. He, Deion Lewis was left for dead. Like, if you guys don't know, he used to be on the Eagles, he used to be on the Browns, and, like, these teams just left him for dead. The Patriots found him for cheap, for nothing, um, and they turned him into something. And that's the thing. Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead's a fine player, and I, I don't think that Rex Burkhead is a bad fantasy pick this year. I think that if you draft him as, like, a, a flex option, you can play him as a flex, and he might have more upside. I might be too high on Sony Michelle, but my take on this is that the Patriots could have found someone else to share a workload for a lot cheaper than they paid for Sony Michelle. Absolutely. Well, we're talking about the workload increasing there uh, on Sony Michelle and what we're expecting out of him. We're going to be increasing the workload here at Rotoviz all off season, all in season as well. Check out the new um, just Excel sheets, all of the the websites and the content that's going on. Um, Andrews has got just a fantastic series going on right now. You can get all of this for a thirty percent discount. Just go to the Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to our premium NFL content, and it also supports this pod. Sign up, support the pod, subscribe to it, and rate the Rotaviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that. You'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league hosted by our friends over at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. If you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and we'll get that set up for you as well. Also, if you're a fan of the show and you want to sub directly to this feed right here, this very feed, the Fantasy Football Mailbag feed, do so. It takes hard work getting the show out every week. Do us a solid and hit that rate button. And last but not least, if you have any questions you want answered on the show, email us, wordofhisradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that set up for you as well. All right, Mike, let's dive right in and fire up some of the QQs for the week. Here we go. Redraft. I just read Ben Battle's compelling piece on why to draft DJ Moore over Corey Davis this year, given the ADPs, situations, collegiate profiles, etc. However, given their difference in ADPs, couldn't I just draft both, or are you adverse to taking a couple of unproven uh, unprovens on one team like this? I'm not a big fan of DJ Moore. I'm not going to own him anywhere. I know that, considering his ADP. He's being taken around the wide receiver 50. And uh, that's it's outside starter range, so you could have him on your bench, and that's fine. Some people think he could be a starter. I'm not one of those people. Cam Newton is uh, he's not an accurate quarterback. And when you bring in someone like DJ Moore, who's an intermediate area receiver, can he go deep? Sure. He's, he's kind of like that all-around wide receiver. But he, I, I wanted to see him as a slot receiver in the NFL, but that's really not going to happen. But Cam Newton hit so... He has thrown to a couple wide receivers who are 6'5", uh, the last few years. He's had Greg Olson, who's 6'5". You know, Kelvin Benjamin was there. Devin Funches was there. 
his ac- his accuracy is is so bad. And when you talk about six five receivers, some people will be like, oh, well, Mike, you know, those aren't the best wide receivers. And I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you with that. However, PFF does have a stat uh, that goes to adjusted completion percentage, which adds in drops, you know, passes that should have been caught, batted balls, all these things. Cam Newton's accuracy among quarterbacks over the last four years, 28th of 29, 29 of 29, 20 of 27, 26 of 27. So he's been bottom two in three of the last four years. He just doesn't have the accuracy to hit a wide receiver and make them consistent enough. And if you seriously want to go and project who you think is going to get the most targets in Carolina on a week-to-week basis, I think you're you're doing yourself really bad because you have Funches there. You have Moore there. You have uh, Christian McCaffrey. You have Greg Olson. It's, uh, Curtis Samuel, they drafted him early. He's coming back this year. So it's like you don't want to do that to yourself, seriously. Stay away from the, the Panthers' pass catchers outside of McCaffrey. Maybe Olsen, but he's he's expensive. Corey Davis, though. He reminds me of Brandon Marshall. Uh, I think he had a bad go at it last year, and I think he struggled because he didn't. He wasn't in camp. He was dealing with uh, some injuries. He dealt some injuries early in the year, so you just never seen him get on the same page with Marcus Mariota. But then in the playoffs, you start to, you started to see them pick up a little bit. So I'm not convinced Mariota is like the greatest passer that people thought he was, but I think Corey Davis is a monster after the catch. So I I think I would I would much rather take Corey Davis than DJ Moore because I just I won't own DJ Moore. Fair enough. All right, next one here is best ball. Last week on the show, Evan talked about Taiwan Taylor as a last-round best ball pick. Who else are you targeting at the end of drafts? Yeah, mine was Geronimo Allison. He's not going there anymore. Um, <laughs> I got him in the 18th round of every single best ball draft over the last few months, and now I'm seeing him go in the 11th and 12th round of times. So if you want to look deeper, uh, look at Ryan Grant, uh, number two option for Andrew Luck. Albert Wilson's not a bad go, although... This this news about Danny Amendola starting makes no sense. Uh, Elijah McGuire, he's a three-down back. He might be the most talented running back on that roster. And John Brown. John Brown, if he's healthy, Joe Flacco does. I mean, if, if Flacco's healthy, um, Flacco has, if there's one thing that he's done well throughout his career, he's thrown a pretty deep ball. So if John Brown is healthy and can get out there, he's looked really good early in camp. So I think John Brown's another one. Yep, absolutely. I mean, John Brown, Mike Wallace, Willie Sneed, Taiwan Taylor, those are guys I like to target there at the very end. I mean, it depends on where you're drafting you know, and what you're looking for. You know, I mean, like if you're over there on draft, I mean, somebody like Mike Gesicki uh, or Hayden Hurst, if you need a mm-hmm. tight end three, I love targeting high upside plays like oh, yeah. that. And then if you want to, you know, really reach, you know, round 18 over there, you know, somebody who is going to be slotted as a running back, he's listed on the site as a tight end, is the backup backup Jalen Samuels over there in Pittsburgh. Even though he's the backup backup, he is the one that most matches what Le'Veon Bell does. And without having to change the offense around, so long as you're not dependent upon that tight end three slot, Mike, you can take a guy mm-hmm. with high upside, um, you know, it could very well net you a zero at the same time. But if you take a guy like Jalen Samuels and should Le'Veon Bell go down, I mean, you're going to get running back production from your tight end three slot and just take that to the bank. So it's one of those high variance, high volatility picks. But if it hits, holy shit, you're going to be sitting pretty. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Hayden Hurst call, by the way. Uh, he's actually someone I have on a lot of my best ball teams is my, t- my tight end three. He's just someone that you could snag, and the, the Ravens' tight end position, they still have the same offensive coordinator, so it's still the same scheme and everything. Uh, the tight ends over the last two years have accounted for 285 targets. That's a lot. And keep in mind, that was Dennis Pitta and Ben Watson. Hayden Hurst is a 25-year-old tight end who's a former pitch, uh, pitcher for the Pirates. So he like he had another career, but he came to football. He's very he's a very movable piece in the offense. It reminds me of like a mix between Aaron Hernandez and Greg Olson. Um, but he's so seasoned. Like he is the most ready uh, rookie tight end that you can imagine. Like seriously, coming in, you can't find someone who's more ready to play. And the Ravens, by drafting a 25 year old tight end in the first round, tells me they have plans to use this guy right away. Mm-hmm. You don't want to waste his talent. You know his prime, basically what he's in his athletic prime. I love the Hayden Hurst pick. I think he could, he's like a dark horse to finish as a top 12 tight end. And you know, what's funny is from an overall collegiate profile perspective, I actually like Mark Andrews a little bit more. 
um, noticeably more, in fact. But it, the, Baltimore's not going to use him more. I mean, they took Hayden <laughs> Hurst in the first round. That, that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Like once, what, whatever uh-huh. we think about it, you know, going into it, like it, it, throw that all out the window. Now Hayden Hurst is going to be there. You know, I think Mark Andrews is more the two to three year play as they figure out how to actually make two tight ends mm-hmm. job. Um, but you know, it, it, good, good job. You know, with that high draft capital on Max Williams and now Hurst and now Andrews, just just great job in there, Baltimore. <laughs> like just you guys are awesome. I like a, I like Mark Andrews as well. He's actually someone that's like a a a lesser version of Jason Witten, is who he reminds me of. Uh, but I when they made that pick, I was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you guys? What seriously? You guys have so many other holes in your team. What are you doing? I like Hayden Hurst though. Hayden Hurst was probably he was the one that I knew coming out that I would that he was the most like pro ready tight end, and I wanted to see where he fell. And knowing that he went to Flacco, someone who's traditionally targeted the tight end position a ton, uh, I love the landing spot for him. Good stuff there. All right, Mike, what are your best and worst purchases you've ever made? <laughs> this was a tough one to figure <laughs> out. Um, my best purchase by far, and it's like a $40, uh, is a shower radio. So if you guys do not, if you guys do not have one of those little pucks that go on the wall in your shower that, that syncs to your Bluetooth to your phone, like I am a music nut. So when I'm in the shower, like I blare that, I sing to the world, I do whatever I want. And <laughs> that's like the best investment I've ever made. Like for 40 bucks, do it. Like you won't regret it. As for the worst purchase, I probably want to say my guitar because I never have time to play it, but I love that thing, so I'm going to go elsewhere. I will say either my Bowflex that I bought that is just giant and just takes up a whole bunch of space and I just go to the gym instead now, or spending money on HBO in order to watch Jeff Fisher on Hard Knocks. (laughs) That was not great. (laughs) <laughs> pretty pretty solid answer there. Maybe I'll t- I'll I'll buy that Bowflex off you because I just quite frankly can't find the time to go to the gym and I'm gonna have to get a link for it from you. I always just walk around the house with earbuds in, one ear in, one ear off. So I'm you know still multitasking and listening to my podcast and whatnot, but still actually acting like I'm paying attention to the family around me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I always have to hit pause when I'm going into the shower and put the earbuds down. So it's like, yeah, I could definitely use that shower radio and just Bluetooth that bad boy right into the shower. Um, it's the best. Then, then you can listen to the road of his mailbag in the shower. I mean, how awesome would that be? Moving on. Best ball if you're drafting <laughs> super late quarterbacks to make a trio at the position and beef up everywhere else. Do you really care which ones you take? And if so, which ones? Given there are around 40 or something different top 12 quarterback weeks last year and you're drafting three, are you really just avoiding bye week overlaps at that point? What say you? I do care just because, like, if, if you say super late, I think that some people who go with, like, Baker Mayfield or, like, uh, if they're taking um, Sam Bradford or something like that, I don't want to end up with those guys. Um, I, I really don't. So I preferably would take uh, three quarterbacks of the top 23 because those are the ones that I believe that there's 23 quarterbacks, maybe 24 I guess, um, who, who don't have, who have their job security. They don't have to worry about losing their job and they're going to play all year. And if they're going to play all year, they're going to have those QB1 performances. Uh, but the ones that I'm ending up with on a lot of my teams that I wait at quarterback, Mitch Trubisky is the easiest one for me. Uh, Mahomes and Trubisky are so similar, but nobody's drafting Trubisky and everybody wants to reach for Mahomes. Um, considering their price, it's easy Trubisky. I think Andy Dalton gives you some stability, uh, more than people want to think. I think Eli Manning has some upside. Uh, Blake Bortles has finished as a top 12 quarterback in each of the last, what, three years now? Um, so those guys, yeah, I'm fine with those. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, if you want to pair him with Jameis Winston, you can do that. Uh, and that therefore you get both of them and you know you're going to have 16 games between the two of them. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of cut it off at that Blake Bortles, Eli Manning territory. I don't want to be drafting Joe Flacco, um, Josh McCown, Sam Bradford, guys like that as my QB3 in best ball, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you there. This is one in the, the vacuum upstairs has officially begun. So we're just going to pummel through this thing and keep going anyway. <laughs> Um, because that's what we do. It's funny. After I read this question, I went back and took a look at some of my exposures here. And, and unshockingly, um, my most drafted quarterbacks, um, Alex Smith, because, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've got him at a top 10 dude, right? And I yep. can still just let everybody take all the other quarterbacks and swing back around in the late 11th, sometimes 12th to get Alex Smith. And then I'm pairing him with the aforementioned Andy Dalton just because, like, he's one of those last guys with the starting gig. Um, the, 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 the schedule and the matchups seem to kind of correlate positively to Alex Smith. And then I round it out with, like, Ryan Tannehill or Blake Bortles or any other guy that, you know, is guaranteed a full load of games. And then I'm, like, perfectly fine with, with an approach like that. 
Um, well, yeah, you know what? No, no, it's crazy is that you mentioned Alex Smith, and I'm so sorry I forgot to even mention him because I have him as my number ten fantasy quarterback. Like I have him up there, and he might he might move to eleven or twelve based on what we see out of luck. But Alex Smith, like I just forget how late he's drafted sometimes because I was just looking at my list of quarterbacks and I forgot to mention him. But Alex Smith, yes, absolutely. It, like, there's nothing that pisses me off more than going into a draft and like somebody takes Alex Smith a pick or two before me. Like, I just want to like just th- close down the phone, throw it into the wall. Like, that's it. My draft is over. I didn't get Alex Smith. <laughs> Sal, if you're out there, buddy, that's for you. <laughs> Moving on. Oh uh, man. Hey, Rotovis fans, allow me a brief second to tell you about our friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2018 NFL season is almost here, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget. Whether it's best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts filling daily, starting at just a $35 entry fee. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. The FFPC also features the world's greatest contest in season-long fantasy football. Come to the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino Las Vegas this September and draft in the FFPC main event while spending opening NFL weekend in Vegas with hundreds of diehards just like you. Ah, can't make it to Vegas? Then draft online from the comfort of your home and compete for the massive $250,000 grand prize with over $2 million in total cash prizes in this year's contest. Do not miss the FFP experience, folks. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. Again, that's myffpc.com. FFPC.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Easy parking with Easy Trip, now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. Team Outlook, outside of Evans, how do the targets get dispersed in Tampa Bay, and will it be noticeably different between a Fitzmagic-led Tampa Bay offense and uh, I steal and have Crabs-led Tampa Bay offense? Good grief. Also, I'm expecting Ronald Jones to feature, but everyone loves Peyton Barber as the change of pace or handcuff to own. Is he draftable as uh, pick 16 in a redraft? As for the Tampa distribution among wide receivers, it's really tough to figure that out. Even the tight ends. I mean, if anybody tells you that they know, they're lying to you. Because uh, we don't even know if Chris Godwin is going to start right now. And a lot of people took it out of context, is that the offensive coordinator said he has earned the right to start. But but they like if you kept on reading that interview, he said it's going to be a competition between him and Adam Humphreys, who, by the way, has seen over 80 targets in each of the last two seasons. So um, th- th- there's definitely a role to be had there. I think we should take expect to take a step back from Deshaun Jackson with Ryan Fitzpatrick because Fitzpatrick just doesn't have the ball, uh, the, the arm to get the ball downfield. So I don't think it's a much of a downgrade for Evans, uh, honestly. And I know that some people are like, well, you know, he hasn't scored as many fantasy points with Fitzpatrick because of the touchdowns. I get that. But Fitzpatrick is a very hit-or-miss quarterback. Like, if you remember back in, what was it, 2015? What he did with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker was ridiculous. Like, he was he was a guy that you could play as a starting fantasy quarterback almost every single week. Um, so I, I, I don't think this is a bad thing for Evans. I think it hurts Deshaun Jackson. And as for the rest of the targets, good luck figuring that out. Seriously, because <laughs> nobody knows right now. We don't even know if Cameron Brate's starting, if O.J. Howard's starting. Because um, we're hearing rumors out of there that O.J. Howard isn't dedicated as much as they want him to be or whatever. But when he was on the field last year, he was pretty damn good. So... Um, as for Ronald Jones, I am a hundred percent with you, man. Um, Ronald Jones is the running back there. Like, like if if you are one of those people out there who who is putting stock into Peyton Barber, stop doing it. The reason I say that he's been on the roster the last two years. Here is Charles Sims and Doug Martin's combined stats over the last two years: 501 yards on 159 carries, 570 yards on 195 carries. Together, they're sub 3.5 yards per carry. Yet. Yep, Peyton Barber didn't really get a shot until the end of last year. And then they go out and they draft a running back in the top of the second round. What does this equation tell you? That Peyton Barber was literally the last-ditch effort, and they they just couldn't go anymore with Doug Martin. Like It was just like uh, Dirk Cutter's going to get fired because he's, he's playing Doug Martin and he keeps sucking. 
However, um, Ronald Jones, drafting him is, again, you have to put stock into where they were drafted. And when you get a guy like Ronald Jones, who comes from USC, where he scored 18 touchdowns last year, a guy who I think is a little bit underrated as a passing down back, they're saying that Charles, Charles Sims might be cut from the roster, and that wouldn't surprise me. But Ronald Jones, uh, top of second round, playing on this team that it has an improved defense, especially the front seven, which has been entirely rebuilt. I think they're going to run the ball a bit more. They're going to give him as much as he can handle. Barber is like that, you know, five-touch, six-touch-a-game type guy. And even if he does get a chance to start, I don't think their offensive line is so good that Peyton Barber would be an every-week fantasy option. Like, he's just not that talented. There's a reason he was undrafted. Very good. All right, Mike. If you could become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you be? <sighs> um, this this is a tough one. I, I I think I would say a phone, just because like you know someone's always you know holding you, loving you, looking <laughs> at you. Um, if not, I I might say like a you know Lamborghini Diablo VT Roadster. And if you guys don't know what that is, like I'm too old because that's like my dream car. Like I had that car on my wall when I was a kid, and uh, it's the sexiest thing out there. Like if you and I, mine would be purple. By the way, I would have a purple. Lamborghini Diablo VT Roadster in the 30th anniversary. If you don't know what that is, look it up and tell me that car is not sick. Purple is an extremely underrated color. If you can get like a magento blue that just like has shades mm. of purple in it, you know, like the Millennium oh, yeah. Force over at Cedar Point, like just the perfect color. I'd have the the, the 911 Porsche Career. I don't know why. Oh, I just always had yeah. pictures of that one when I was Por- a kid too. Oh, yeah. uh, I I just don't want to be end. I don't want to end up in a tree split in half. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So, like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, I had to, I want to go back to one of your best purchases ever. You know, you, well, I guess you got to be selective where you put it and which household. But uh, give, let me be the radio. Give, let me be the shower radio. Like, you know. You're I thought ha- about that, and I was like, people are going to take that the wrong way because <laughs> um, I'm going to be in the shower. And, I mean, it, I guess it all depends on what household you're in, right? Yeah, exactly. But you're always <laughs> happiest when you're in the shower, you know. It's like you're, you're getting yourself together. You, so you're in the presence of happiness. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that approach. That's what we'll say. We're in the presence of happiness. We'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Pretty trapped. <laughs> Seems like I'm uh, seeing Royce Freeman drafted earlier and earlier. Uh, but usually only in draft best balls. The coaches seem to allude to more of a committee now. And a full PPR, should I avoid Freeman and target Booker later? I don't want Booker. Um, and I, I he might have some value. He might be like that theoretic, but a, a bad theoretic. Um, I don't like Booker. And that's the thing. is just like it goes back to these equations that we talk about, right? So when you have a team who last year – so Devontae Booker had a shot, right? When C.J. Anderson got hurt back in 2016 – he got hurt. He, he started for, it was, it was a handful of games. It wasn't like two or three games where we got a small sample. We got a big sample and they realized Devontae Booker was not the running back they had hoped. Then we get to 2017. We hear hype that in camp he looks good. Then he gets hurt. And when he comes back in the lineup, CJ Anderson's dominating the snaps. Like CJ Anderson was the one getting the ball, rightfully so. He was playing better. And then, you know, we get to the end of the year. The guy that they were playing in front of Devontae Booker, they cut CJ Anderson. Okay. So it's like, okay, now the Booker supporters are going to come out of the woodwork because they cut C.J. Anderson thinking that he's going to be the guy. No, hold up. We're going to go out in the the beginning of the third round. We're going to draft a running back and then proceed to go to the media and say, we have not had a bell cow running back like Royce Freeman here. We're looking for someone who can handle that workload. Everything, the whole equation is basically saying that Devontae Booker is not the guy. He's never going to be that guy. Can he be a change of pace? Yes. But when they say that they want someone to be able to shoulder the workload, Royce Freeman is that guy at Oregon. And the thing is, is so Royce Freeman isn't dominant at anything. Like he's just not a dominant running back, but he reminds me of Jordan Howard because like he's got solid patience. His vision is fantastic. Like that's the one thing that I feel like you cannot teach a running back. You can't teach vision. He knows how to follow his blocks. And the, the Denver offensive or the offensive line was supposed to be better than it was last year. If Garrett Bowles can get his head together, um, they, they signed Jared Veld here from the Cardinals. You know, Ron Leary's on that offensive line. If they can take a step forward as an offensive line, as a unit, I believe that Royce Freeman is going to finish as a as an RB2 in fantasy this year. And PPR, it lowers him a little bit because I do think Booker is, like I said, essentially the theoretic of that offense, but just uh, not as productive. So I, I'm i not going to own any Booker, um, considering where he's going. Uh, there's other players I'd rather have, like TJ Yeldon is so much better of a pick than Devontae Booker. Um, but Freeman, I... He's moving up further than I would like in best ball drafts, but in in public leagues right now, in like ADP, he's right around that RB30 range, and I'll take him as like the RB26, 27. 
Okay, jumping right back in here. We've got the Fuck, Mary Kill for the week. The comedy football edition, Mike, here we go. The Longest Yard. We'll go with the Adam Sandler version here because, you know, if, if we go with the original, I, I I don't think most in this audience have seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Replacements and Necessary Roughness. Is it Unnecessary Roughness? It's Necessary Roughness. Necessary, yeah. Yeah, because it, it's necessary, of course. Yeah. I, th- I thought you would have put um, what's the uh, the Goldie Hawn one in here? Um, that's an old one too. Uh, oh yeah, I'm forgetting the name of it. Anyways, uh, I would say F the replacements, marry the longest yard, and kill necessary roughness because longest yard. I'm I'm one of the I'm in probably in the minority here. I actually enjoy a lot of Adam Sandler movies, and I know some people have said he's gotten corny and all that. But I have kids, and I like I'll watch movies with them and stuff like that. I love it when my daughter picks out an Ad- Adam Sandler movie because I'll mm-hmm. laugh at it. Like. And I actually enjoyed The Longest Yard. You know, obviously you had Burt Reynolds making his cameo appearance in there, so bringing the old version into the new one, and I, I enjoyed that movie. I'm I'm with you on the Adam Sandler flicks. I love The Longest Yeah, I don't know which way to go on this one. Like, you killed Necessary Roughness, and mm-hmm. it just hurts my soul. <laughs> and and the, and the only reason is because, I mean, it is so much nostalgia behind that one because, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it, but, like, Kathy Ireland, back in the day when I was a kid, <laughs> and like they they showed that first scene where she was the new kicker on the field, and they take the mm-hmm. the view from the from the grass going up. I mean, I was just like in heaven. As There's a, other movies for that. There's an, other movies for that. <laughs> as an early adolescent, there were no other movies for that. Like, like we, the Spice Channel, like uh, the you have the, to like the, the watch scrambled like the, version. The oh yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. No, I didn't watch the scrambled version of Spice as an adult. Never as a kid, as an adult, as a kid. That never, never happened in my house. Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize for that. Especially like mom would go to the store for 20, 25 minutes or I'd come home <laughs> like the scrambled TV is going, but you left the room to go to the bathroom. Like, oh gosh, there's an awkward situation for you. <laughs> Um, I don't even know where to go from this point, Mike. Like, I think we're, like, I'm just done. That's it. That's it. Like, I'm just taking my own microphone away. That's what I deserve. Uh, Mike, if you were given full reign, redesign the food pyramid, what would it look like? And I know from our previous conversations, like, it would not include vegetables, anything green, period. Yeah, there'd be absolutely no vegetables uh, allowed. Um, it would be like 50% pizza, which does include dairy and meat. So that's part of the food groups. Um, I'd probably say about 30% water because it's obviously necessary to live. Um, but then I would say 20, the other 20% would be beer and no, not IPAs. So don't don't at me on that one. As popular as they are, it's funny, no matter who we talk to on the show, I feel like it's more, more popular on the show to not really give a damn about IPAs. If we're being honest, I I don't do it. Yeah. It's just, it's just too expensive. I mean, you're drinking beer for a reason, right? I mean, I, granted, it's an acquired taste, then you, you'll end up having one with, with, uh, dinner or something like that. But I don't know. I think you're drinking beer for a reason. It's like, why am I spending more money? And this thing tastes like butt. And I was like, oh, it's an acquired <laughs> taste. Oh, so I have to acquire to spend more money on this beer. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. If you want to acquire a taste, go acquire a taste of wine for crying out loud. Like, that's the way to go. <laughs> and to me, it's just summertime right now. Like, you can't have six IPAs out at a barbecue and just, just act like you're just normal, you know? And if you can, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you should drink a little less IPAs. Let's put it that way. Like, grab a summer shandy, go play some volleyball, have some fun. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, tap the Rockies. Moving on. Best ball is Sean McCoy. Took an ADP dive, but then seemed to crack back up, uh, creep back up. Based on what we know now, wouldn't it take time for this play, uh, for this to play out? Maybe not even impact him until next season. What, if at all, would you pull? Uh, where, if at all, would you pull the trigger on Chris Ivory? I would never pull the trigger on Chris Ivory because he's just bad. Um, it's funny because I actually did an article recently talking about, you know, running backs based on the carries where they were at on the field when they received them. Because, like, you know, I, I like to tell people not every target, not every carry is worth the same amount of fantasy points, right? So I went through every, you know, where everybody was in the field and where they got their carries, where they got their targets, and figured out how many points that they were supposed to score with the opportunity that they had. Chris Ivory and LaShawn McCoy were legitimately the number one and number two worst options inside the five-yard line. Like, the worst. So, to know that both of them are on a bad team that doesn't score many touchdowns is kind of funny. Um, LaShawn McCoy, the thing is, is, like, most people would say it's going to take time for this to play out. It might not come up until, like, an Ezekiel Elliott thing where it was the following season. But with McCoy, where he's at in his career, you know, he's 30 years old now, there was rumors that he could be put on the commissioner's exempt list 
where they just basically say, we're putting this on hold, like you're not going to be able to play until we figure this whole thing out. I don't know. Uh, there hasn't been many details that have been released. So I'm taking it as he's going to play. Uh, but there is risk involved in drafting him. Like I, t- I haven't, I was not drafting him before all this news even came out. Um, just because he was too expensive, playing on a bad team behind an offensive line that lost three offensive linemen, a team that lost Tyrod Taylor, so now you don't have a mobile quarterback like that who automatically helps running backs. They don't have any pass catchers. He was going to get a lot of volume, but just it was going to be bad volume. So uh, as for LaShawn McCoy, where would I, I got him in like the sixth round of a best ball draft the other day. I would take him in the sixth of a 12 team, I guess. That's where my breaking point is. But as for Chris Ivory, if you actually look at the Bills' schedule, so let's pretend LaShawn McCoy gets, you know, Four games, six games, you know, just because, like, that's what happened with Ezekiel Elliott, right? The first games of the season, they're at the Ravens. That You don't want to play running back against the Ravens in, in Baltimore. Then they are playing against the Chargers, top three defense in the NFL. Then they go and play another top three defense, the Vikings, in Minnesota. They get the Packers, that's fine. Then they play the Titans and the Texans. Like, these are all teams that are legitimate. Like, five of the six teams they play to start the season are top ten run defenses. So, uh, for me... Chris Ivory would find his way probably back onto the waiver wire, and um, you can get him after that when they have some lighter opponents. But yeah, it's it's a situation I'd I'd prefer to avoid because, as I mentioned, you want running backs who are tied to high scoring offenses whenever possible. Yeah, and I'm just it, McCoy's on the do not draft list right now. I mean, there's just other running backs you can take around that range. Like I'm actually yeah. still seeing him creep back up in rounds three and four in some mm-hmm. spots, and I'm just not willing to to risk that type of early round capital at this point. It doesn't make any sense at this point. Um, so I'm with you there 100%. All right, Mike, if you had a Shark Tank app idea that does not exist today, what would it be? I don't think I'm smart enough to figure that out. Um, honestly, there's people out there that are much smarter than me when it comes to that stuff. Um, but if I, every, like, one conversation that comes up, and I actually played golf yesterday. So the conversation that comes up every single time I play, when are they going to develop a ball that has a tracking device inside of it and that you can track it on your phone? Like, that would be something that I think that I'm, I'm sure everybody that is not a pro golfer goes out on the golf course and says, I want to know where my ball is at all times because you're sitting there looking for it. If you slice the ball, if you if you hook it, whatever, you're looking for it and it wastes so much time. If you just had an app that told you, hey, your ball's right over here, that would be legit. So a uh, true story, I'm like 90% positive they have it. What? If they do, I, I'm not kidding. I will buy it today. <laughs> you know, but need... what's funny is I always have these Shark Tank app ideas. I've had like many glorious ideas in my day. All right. Mm-hmm. And and then I go to, you know, the Google.com and I find out like it's already there. Like I just missed the boat. I wasn't there. I wasn't first to market, Mike, meaning I never actually made it to market. So the, these glorious, illustrious ideas I had in my head, they just didn't come to fruition in my head early enough because somebody else already made it happen. So that's that's pretty much the story of my life there. Um, soccer balls have it. They actually have it for training purposes now. Um, so you can track touches, you can track mm-hmm. uh, movement, placement, foot placement, where the ball is. So pretty pretty wild stuff they're doing when, in in the hashtag sports world these days. So I'm I'm with you though. I'm with you. It's a fantastic idea. And uh, unfortunately, it's just out there. It's out there. Um, I need that idea, too, because I'm a blind as a bat, Mike. I, I like uh-huh. to golf, right? But uh-huh. I always feel bad because I need a partner that is willing to track my ball. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, they need to be standing behind you. Yep. The, the one yep. time, I kid you not, I had someone back out because they had some come up with work. So I asked my wife. She had the day off. I was like, you want to come with me and just like just hang out with me in the cart? So she stood behind me and I hit a ball and I, I can usually track it, but I missed this one. I didn't know where it went. Like it just, I hit it. I was like, where'd my drive go? And, uh, she's like, I didn't see it. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I brought you with for one reason. You um, had one job. Yeah. But I, if this exists, cause like the golf ball, the reason they said that the reason I didn't think it existed was because the core of it, it's, a, it's golf balls. They might feel hard to you, but they're actually soft where they actually flex when you hit them with a golf club. So like the interior of it, you, you can't, you don't want to change it too much because otherwise you're going to lose distance. So you need a core as much as you can. I just wonder where they put that tracking device and how much they actually are. Because the last thing you want to do is hit a water ball, you know, when uh, <laughs> you're when you're when you're paying that much for the golf ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, as long as we have Adam Sandler out there on the Happy Gilmore course, you know, I think he can yeah. he can get that ball out for us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Team Outlook. <laughs> is it possible Julian Edelman comes back, but isn't the same guy post performance enhancement? Uh, if so, does that mean Jordan Matthews should be taken a little bit higher, or maybe we're forgetting that Kenny Britt has Tom Brady throwing him the ball? 
Julian Edelman, absolutely. I was worried before the performance enhancing drugs. He's 32 years old, coming off an ACL injury. Uh, it's it's you know as you get older, as we can see with Jamal Charles, it gets harder and harder. You know when Jamal Charles was you know 26, I think when he tore his first ACL, I think they're 25. He bounced back because he, that that's like the prime of your body's conditions. But once you get up into your 30s, like your body just doesn't recover as well. And I'm guessing maybe Julian Edelman was dealing with some of that. And maybe that's why he decided to take some of these performance enhancers. I don't know. But he's 32 years old. Again, this is a team that is starting to break down a little bit. They're 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 going to change their philosophy. I don't think they're throwing as much going into 2018. Uh, but I am worried about him. I had him outside my top 30 before he was even suspended. Um, so I'm not going to end up with him on my teams. Uh, Jordan Matthews should be taken higher. Absolutely. He's a he's an interesting case to me. It's because like in best ball, I, I'm always like shocked that he doesn't go sooner. And I'm like, oh wait, he's still available. Um, because like you figure it all this. With with all the targets available here, I mean, Malcolm Mitchell, we hear that he had a scope on his knee, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with it again. He might miss another season. Kenny Britt is at the end of his career. He had he was on the team last year, guys. Like he, I, I I this reminds me all too much of like Michael Floyd, where people get excited because it's a guy that they always wanted to be really good, um, just never panned out. I think Britt has one season over 800 yards, so I just don't think he's the guy. I think Jordan Matthews has the ability to play the slot, which is what they kind of need him to do with the way they move the receivers around. I like Jordan Matthews, and um, I'm going to reevaluate this this wide receiver core once we get through the preseason because I really, if Jordan Matthews is going to be on the field, he's easily draft. Like if he's on the field to start the season as a starter, I think he should be drafted as a top 50 wide receiver. And as of right now, he's like outside the top 70. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this also just speaks to why they were very definitive in what they did at the running back position in the draft and, and why, yes. you know, it was like, well, why did Bill Belichick, of all people, take this running back up high? Mm-hmm. It's because of the ambiguity at the wide receiver position. Like, you know what you're getting in Gronk, but, I mean, you, you know, if you get a couple of guys like J-Mag, Kenny Britt, like, they will figure out their secondary pieces. Hogan's still there, you know, but, um, you yeah, know, there were a little bit more question marks there than usual. I mean, of course, Julian Edelman's going to take performance enhancers. I mean, where else is he going to be in a situation in the NFL where he has Tom Brady throwing him short passes you know out of the flats all game long like this is just the perfect offense suitable for him and you're going to hang on to that and crutch onto that as long as possible because once it's not there it's not there and unfortunately mm-hmm. we're post uh, enhancement here so uh it's probably not there um yeah. all right here we go mike uh quick lightning round here better season overall uh demarius thomas or juju demarius thomas he he might He's he's like a lock for 140 targets. Juju is uh, if he gets 100, I think he'd be lucky. Tariq Cohen, Isaiah Crowell. Oh, this this is not even close. Tariq Cohen, Isaiah Crowell. Don't draft him. Tamonte Parker or Jamison Crowder. <sighs> this depends on format. If it's PPR Crowder, if it's standard, I go with Parker. George Kittle, Eric Ebron. I'll go with Kittle. Uh, the 49ers do not have a, another, they don't have a wide receiver over six feet tall. They need Kittle to be a red zone option for Jimmy Garoppolo. So, uh, Eric Ebron is still battling with Jack Doyle. Uh, I'll, I'll take a battle with Garrett Selleck over Jack Doyle. The aforementioned Jimmy G or Ben Rod? Roethlisberger. Um, this comes down to who's the better passer. Um, it's, it's Roethlisberger because Jimmy G, like people that are expecting him to to finish as a top eight fantasy quarterback, he doesn't have any rushing. Like literally, I think in seven or eight career starts, he has like twelve yards rushing. He's just not. He doesn't run the ball. Neither does Roethlisberger. So who's going to end up with more touchdowns and yards? It's Roethlisberger. Uh, he might not play all sixteen games because he never does. But on a week to week basis, Roethlisberger. Very good. All right, I've got um, I've got the Juju side over Demarius by a hair. I don't I don't know why. I mean, they, I have them both in the same tier. So you know, it, the safer play is Demarius in terms of who's going to just be guaranteed more targets. That's the right answer there. Surprisingly, uh, I've got Crowell over Cohen only in .5 PPR or lower. Of course, full PPR, I'm taking Cohen. Crowell, you know, I, like if you can get him in the eighth or ninth round, like it's just it's guaranteed production. If if you need a standard type of format. Corral would be my guy there. Devontae Parker over Crowder. Doesn't matter the format. I'm with you on the, the overdrafting of Devontae. Um, I'm all in there. And in, in, in the Crowder side, I'd just rather take the cheaper pieces in Doxon and Richardson. And, you know, you know Smith is going to dis- disperse that ball around there. Uh, also with Kittle over Ebron, Jimmy G, I will take uh, Ben Rott on that side. You know, real, real quick, Mike, like what are your thoughts on Eric Ebron? Like we've had jo- Jack Doyle seasons, right? But, like, yep. I – I'm not 
buying Eric Ebron as the bench dude. I mean, you've got Eric freaking Ebron, the you know, the first tight end drafted in the first round overall a few seasons back. Like, there's just – I can't fathom Eric Ebron is going to sit while Jack freaking Doyle is out there on the field. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I just, I can't see it. I can see them splitting the time, but I, Eric Ebron is one of those guys I target late in drafts because you can get him as a tight end two in rounds 13, 14. It's cheap AF, and you just, there's a lot of upside behind that as well. If Flux comes back and he's healthy, like, there's zero chance he's not finding Eric Ebron on the field. That's the thing is like, so if you go back to the season where Dwayne Allen was with the Colts, um, the last one, uh, 2015, I think, uh, if you go back to that season, everybody wanted the Dwayne Allen breakout and I was with it because Andrew Luck's always targeted the tight end position. They'll score touchdowns because he's going to throw 30 of them. So, um, I was always, I, and I said, if, it, if Dwayne Allen doesn't finish as a top 10 tight end, it's going to be Jack Doyle. And it, it just, like, it was a kind of like a laughing thing, but it actually turned out to be Jack Doyle. Yeah. Uh, because he, and here's the thing. I, He's knowing that Eric Ebron doesn't have any chemistry with Andrew Luck. They don't know each other right now. That's going to play into Doyle's favor. But the fact that they're both they're all learning a new offense is a big deal. And the reason this is a big deal because the way that the Peterson offense works, which is what Frank Reich is going to employ there, um, the way it works is there's two tight ends. There's a move tight end. There's an inline tight end. And when you look at this, I was of the mindset that Jack Doyle was going to win the starting job and that Ebron was going to be mixed in for sure. But I'm slowly starting to back away the more I think about it because. Jack Doyle's the better blocker. Uh, he's the one that fits the more inline traditional tight end role, whereas Eric Ebron is built more like a wide receiver, like a Trey Burton, like a Travis Kelsey, like those guys, right? He might not be as good as those guys, but he can fill that role, I think, like they can, where they're going to line him up out wide. They're going to put him on the perimeter. They're going to get a mismatch with linebackers. So Ebron is the one who's got more versatility, I think. But at the same time, you mentioned, you know, the first tight end taken and all that stuff. Tight ends on their rookie contracts that are good do not get cut on their rookie deals. And he got cut from the Lions. Like, they couldn't get anything in a trade. It basically said everything about it because they were trying to trade him uh, this offseason. I think I think they tried to showcase him uh, over the second half of 2017. And we saw Eric Ebron get more targets than he ever had. Um, again, this all comes down to the offense because you want targets. That's what you want in your tight ends. You really don't worry about much else. You just say, where am I going to find the targets? And if you see Eric Ebron in the move tight end role to start in the preseason – then I'm drafting him. Um, if, if not, then if you see Jack, Jack Doyle moving around, lining up out wide, then obviously he's got the leg up on the competition. So it's it's this one I'm remaining wide open to, uh, but I'm, I'm not willing to say that Eric Ebron is the starter just yet. Fair enough. Week three, preseason NFL, here we go. All eyes mm-hmm. on you. Uh, Mike, take a favorite or popular movie, change one letter in the title. What's the new plot? What's it all about? This one was hard. It sucks for me, man. Like, I just, I, I don't know. This one was hard. Like, I've been watching Breaking Bad, and I know it's not a movie, but I thought, like, Breaking Bod, um, where it's like a journey through a man's life who has never had to deal with, like, gaining weight, but suddenly he puts on 50 pounds, and there's nothing he can do about it. Like, that's that's real interesting, right? Or you do, like, Mr. Doubtfire instead of Mrs. Doubtfire and just flip-flop what happened. I, I, I'm horrible at this. I, no, I, you, you pretty I, much I, hit it. You hit it. You nailed it. I mean, Breaking Bad is like the autobiographical movie of one fantasy gumshoe here. Uh, (laughs) The guy guy had too many kids too early and didn't realize what was next and realized he went to go back out on the the pitch and, uh, you know, blew a knee, blew a back, and was trying to get back out to it. But, you know, he just can't stop changing diapers, you know. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, geez. Moving on from there, too early. Uh, this is last but not least here, Mike. Here we go. Wrapping up. Too early, uh, too sizzling, too hot take, 2018-19 season. Uh, it's, 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 we asked for a hot take, right? So it's not consensus or anything. Um, I'm going to say that Doug Martin turns out to be the running back to own in Oakland. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I say that just because Gruden seems to be set in his ways. He's going out and getting his guys that he wanted. He cut Michael Crabtree to sign uh, Jordy Nelson. Um, the trade for Martavis, I don't even know if that was on him, but I think Doug Martin was in the plans all along. And I think people have sat here and wondered, why would they have Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin? Like, why? They didn't need to go out and get Doug Martin, uh, but they did. And from what we're hearing out of camp is that John Gruden loves Doug Martin. And the thing is, when... As much as, as bad as he looked last year, you go back to the previous years, he's, you don't get a running back around, you know, in the, you know, 10th, 12th round who has multiple 1400 yard seasons on his resume. I mean, he's playing behind Marshawn Lynch, a guy who legitimately walked away from the game. Uh, I know he played better than I think most people expected last year, but would anybody be shocked if Marshawn Lynch just decided after week two, he's like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm just going to walk away from the game. 
Um, I don't think that would shock me. Uh, you know, this is one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, Gruden says he wants to run the ball like it's 99, but that's a joke because John Gruden, <laughs> by the way, his, his last eight coach teams, none of them have finished top 10 in rushing attempts. So John Gruden's not that guy. Don't worry about that. But I still think that Doug Martin has a chance to be one of like the steals in the, this year's draft. Even if he did look like crap last year, he has flashed. And I think it's like a psychological thing and a mental thing. And he has never, ever, ever played behind an offensive line that is this good. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, I, I still think it's a steroid thing, right? Like, he's, he's not on him anymore. But one thing, you, I mean, John Gruden, right? Like, he is living, reliving his glory days in Oakland now. And Doug Martin is a part of those glory days. So, of course, he is going to think, oh, I can, I can find Doug Martin's form. I can find it. And he, he could very well come back out and just, you know, Marshawn Martin, Marshawn Martin and go back and forth and just, you know, try to pound the rock. Who, uh, I don't know. I mean, Doug Martin doesn't cost anything. I admittedly don't have much of any Doug Martin, but I'm I'm 100% with you that like I could actually see it playing out that way because coach is going to coach. You know, like what are you yeah. going to do? No, for sure, and that's the thing. Is Doug Martin his wasn't performance hands. It was uh, Adderall, right? That's what he te- that's what it was what he was taking. Was it like an addiction to Adderall or something? Uh, and they considered what? it a performance enhancer. I I don't that's what I thought it was with him. I could be wrong. I, you know what, you might be right about that. I don't, I don't have that one pulled up, but I think you're right. I, well, I don't know. I mean, you're going to need some Adderall <laughs> trying to follow John Coach and John Gruden. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if we could end it any better than that. On that note, we're going to go ahead and close this one out for the week, but that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Mailbag, the Road of His Podcast dedicated to answering your questions. Hey guys out there, if you have any questions you want answered on the Mailbag, Hit us up via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com, uh, com, or on Twitter at rotovisradio using the hashtag RVMailbag. Mike, man, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for carving out the time and coming back on the show. Uh, give us a plug. What's going on? What can we look forward to coming up here? Oh, uh, yeah. So I've been writing a lot of player profiles. These are like in-depth things where I go in, you know, I try and go in with a clean slate and just say, I, forget about my thoughts on a player. I'm going to look at pure facts. I'm going to put them down on paper for you guys. And it's usually right around 1500 words uh, where I go through and examine all these players. I've been doing that. Uh, check those out. Obviously, I post them on my Twitter. But um, in season, last year, I started um, a, a an article called The Primer. And uh, it's uh, it's about 22,000 words, 25,000 words a week. Uh, where I touch on every single player from every single game. I talk about them from a redraft and a DFS standpoint because the way I best, I, I just thought it would be best suited to, uh, instead of asking people asking about every single player, you know, my Twitter handle, Phil, with who, who do I start, this guy or this guy? I have a paragraph on every single player. Seriously, check out my thoughts, check out what you think. Uh, it was really successful. So we're bringing it back this year and I'm, I'm excited about it. It's a monster. Um, but man, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing more football and I look forward to talking with you a little bit more, man. This was, this was a lot of fun. We always, we always have a good time when I hop on though. Love, love having you on, Mike. It's just, just, it's just good to talk to you. It's good to talk football and everybody yes. out there. I mean, listen to us, whether you're listening to us in the shower right now, or you're listening to us with the volume down on breaking bod. Like it doesn't matter. We're going <laughs> to he- be here for you all season long. So hit us up, hit the uh, mic up on Twitter. That's Mike Taglier NFL. And please do not forget to rate and review the show on iTunes, folks. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. person whom you're trying to reach is currently unavailable. Please leave a message after the beep. Whoa. Whoa, you got voicemail. You are all types of high tech here. And she's British. The person you're trying to reach is unavailable. Please try your call again or leave a message after these team crumpets. There were no more cucumbers at the market, sir. I went down twice. 
my lord, the Rainish clown at whom so oft your grace was born to laugh is also missing. Hesperia, the princess's gentleman, and confesses she secretly overheard your daughter and her cousin much commend the parts and graces of the wrestler that did but lately foil the sinewy Charles, and she believes wherever they are, that you is surely in the company. <laughs> Welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.